So Joshua chapter 2, and we have a a lengthy reading in this chapter. So let's read it from verse 1. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Sittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out, whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for they shall, for ye shall overtake them. And she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, and she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the forge, and as soon as they were pursued after them, they were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, that your terror is fallen upon us, and that the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all, that I, and all they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered, Our lives, our life for yours. If ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us in the land that we shall kindly, deal kindly with, and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward you may go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou hast let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. And we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will quit of thine oath which thou hast made us to swear. 
And she answered according to the word, so be it. And she went and she sent them away and they departed and they bound the scarlet line, she bound the scarlet line in the window and she went and they and came onto the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned and the pursuers sought them throughout all the way but found them not. And the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all things that befell them. And he said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of this. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the remembrance of your son as we break bread this morning. We drank from the cup. We thank you for the remembrance of him, he who loved us, and gave himself for us. We thank you, Father, for his precious blood. We thank you, Lord, that the theme of the blood runs right throughout the Scripture. And we ask you, God, this morning again, that you would take my lips and use them, put your words in my mouth, and take my words, Lord, and seal my mouth, rather than I would use my own words, Lord. But I pray that all that would be said and done this morning would be to the glory and to the honor of your name. Father, may your Son alone be seen. We pray for your Spirit to anoint me with fresh oil, to anoint your people with ears to hear and hearts to receive, that you'd encourage those that need encouraged and heal those that need healed and touch those that need a touch. Father, you alone can do these things, so we leave it in your hands, your care, and your keeping. So bless thy word unto our hearts and glorify thy name this morning. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Our title this morning is Joshua, Jericho, a type of Jesus and his salvation and his second coming. So Joshua, Jericho, a type of Jesus and his salvation and his second coming. In Joshua chapter 2 verse 1 it says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Sidon two men to spy secretly. Go view the land, even Jericho. Notice here, Joshua is a type of Christ. Now, notice I said he's a type of Christ. For example, the ark which Noah built was a type of Christ for all who were in the ark were saved, and all who are in Christ are saved. When the Lord Jesus says that his second coming will be like the days of Noah. So it's a type. And so again, we see a type of Christ in Joshua. We see a type of, of, of the world in Jericho. And we're going to see a type of the second coming, God willing, uh, time willing. And we'll see that this morning. Joshua, a type, a shadow, a foreshadowing of Christ. For example, the name Joshua, it is actually the word Yehoshua. Yehoshua, and it means Jehovah or Yahweh saves. Yehoshua means Yahweh is salvation. The name Jesus is also the English rendering of Yahushua when we bring it down through to the English. We have Yahshua and Jesus. Notice here it Jesus means Jehovah saves or Jehovah is salvation. It means the exact same. Now the name Joshua not only is it a type and name of the Lord Jesus Christ but the name Joshua his name is mentioned throughout the book of Moses for example in Exodus. He is mentioned there. And the thing about it is, it's just Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. But when it comes to uh, Exodus 33 and verse 11, 
we have what's known as the first mention of him being, as it were, the Holy Spirit is zoning in, zooming in onto Joshua and giving us a bit more of information of this person, this young man. In Exodus 33 and verse 11, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again unto the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun. That's the first mention of Joshua. Who is this Joshua, the son of Nun? He's called Joshua before this, but it's the first mention of Joshua, the son of Nun. Notice, he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Notice, Joshua is a young man, and he did not depart out of the tabernacle. Now, here's the thing. Another type of Christ is found here in this young man, Joshua. For example, in Luke chapter 2 and in verse 46, it says, And it came to pass that after three days they found him. That is, Mary and Joseph, when they lost the Lord Jesus, they found him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, they found him in the temple. Joshua was a young man, and he didn't depart out of the tabernacle. Here, the Lord Jesus, from a young boy or a young man, is found in the temple. Notice, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. So the young man lingering is Joshua in the tabernacle. And the young boy tarrying is Jesus in the temple. You can see likenesses here between Joshua and the Lord Jesus Christ. Joshua, we're told, departed not out of the temple. I'm told that the Lord Jesus says in Luke's gospel, chapter 2, that he says, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? In other words, why, why did you... Why, how come you lost me? How did it come it took so long that you would know where I was in the temple talking to these men? Notice, Joshua departed not out of the temple. Thought about this and I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking of how Joshua seen Moses speaking with the Lord, as it were, a friend to friend, face to face. Now, we're told then that Moses could not see the face of God and God had to put him in a cleft of a rock and cover him with his hands and he can only see his back part. So, and no man has seen God at any time. So how did he see him face to face? The idea here is upon name, is the word for face, upon name. The presence of Moses was in the presence of God. In other words, Moses was well aware. Moses was very conscious. Moses knew he was in the presence of the Lord. And he spoke with God, as it were, in prayer. Some think it was maybe a theophany, an appearance, came of the Lord. And that may well be so, and he spoke to him that way. But nevertheless, it means that God's face had turned to the tabernacle, and God's face had turned toward Moses, and Moses was in the presence of God. This young man, Joshua, would have seen this. This young man, Joshua, maybe had sampled that, as it were, the presence of the Lord. And I want to tell you, friend, I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, it's worthwhile to spend time in the presence of God. This young man departed not from the, the tabernacle because he would have known this is where God came to Israel. There's nowhere else outside of it at this point where God came. 
And here we're told that this man, the young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Time spent in the presence of God is never wasted time. Time spent in the Lord's presence is never wasted time. I personally have never met a man or a woman. I've never met a man who has been lingering in the presence of the Lord and has come away disappointed. Never met one. I've never met a man or a woman who has spent time lingering in the presence of God and has found themselves coming away without encouragement, without hope, or even without help or without instruction. I've never ever heard of a person lingering in the presence of God, staying there, sitting there, listening there to what God would say as we read his word in his presence. I've never met one. I've never met a soul who's lingered in the presence of God and found itself unsatisfied with the company they have just kept. I've never met a soul who's lingered and been aware, that is aware, consciously aware of the presence of God. And they have lingered in his presence. They have sat in his presence and they have come away unsatisfied with the company that they have just kept. Notice here, Joshua departed not out of the temple. Ask the very doctors whom Jesus, as a young boy of 12, had spoken to in Luke chapter 2. Verse 47, it, it says, And all that heard him, the young child, the boy, Jesus, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. They're asking this young boy questions. And he's giving them the answers. They're asking him, and he's asking them. And it means that they are asking him, he's answering. They're, ask, he, they're asking him questions because they don't know. He's not asking them questions because he doesn't know. He's asking them to have a conversation with them, to see what they know. That he may maybe develop their understanding. And God deals with us in these ways. Develops our understanding when we're in his word and we're in his presence. So stay in his presence and linger there a moment. The word here, and all that heard him were astonished and at his understanding and answers. The word for astonished here is the word existeme. Existeme. And it means to throw out of possession, to amaze, to be beyond one's self. To throw out of possession, to be amazed, to be beyond one's self. In other words, these men were so astounded, astonished, and were so amazed at this young boy. This young boy who is God, the Word, the Son. He is the flesh body of the Almighty. And here he's answering and giving them depths of wisdom and knowledge that they have never known or learned. And it means they're beyond themselves. As, as though they step out of themselves to look into the situation. They're so, as we would say, blown away by the wisdom of this young boy. Exist to me, to throw out of position, to amaze, to be beyond oneself, to throw out of possession. The word, our English word, ecstasy, comes from this word, exist to me. Our English word, ecstasy. We know what it's like to be so joyous we're in an ecstasy. And unfortunately, the world and the wicked hearts of men and the devil 
have a, a, have a drug called ecstasy. To throw young people into an ecstasy for a few hours. Even that may kill them when they take it. But to throw young people into an addictive habit that may destroy their lives. They're taking a word where Christ is the true ecstasy of God. He is the true joy of the heart, of the spirit, of the soul, and of the mind. He is the exist to me, the astonished, the one who astonishes the men and women and puts the soul into ecstasy. I say this with reverence. I say this with respect to my Savior, to the Word of God, to the Holy Spirit. I say this with respect. But as a man who was on it for many, many, many times for years, a man who took those drugs, I can tell you now, when I'm in the presence of the Lord, when I am close to my Savior, when I linger, as it were, in the tabernacle, when I am aware and conscious that he is near me. There's no man made drug nor ecstasy of the devil can compare to the ecstasy that he places within my soul. To know that I am saved, to know that I am blood washed, to know that I am forgiven, to know that I will never stand in judgment nor be in any punishment, to know that I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine, to sense to feel, to experience him is worth the lingering for the ecstasy of the soul is way beyond a measure. Oh, I've never known one person to come out of the presence of the Almighty. I've never known one soul to come out and they have been disappointed or unsatisfied with the company they have kept when they have been keeping company with God. Let me just linger here myself for a moment on this word, exist to me. For example, in Mark chapter 2 and verse 12, it's the, the, the story of the Lord Jesus is in the house and this young man is on his bed and his four friends couldn't get near the house for the people and they break open the roof and they lower him down through the roof on, on, lying on his bed and the Lord Jesus heals him. And in Mark chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Notice again, here's a man comes in with his back on his bed, and in the presence of Christ he leaves with his bed on his back. In other words, he came in, carried, and he went out carrying his bed. And this young man in the presence of the Lord left, and he was satisfied. He was more than satisfied, for he went out not only knowing the Lord, being as, having his sins forgiven, but he went out healed from the presence of the Lord. And the people, it says, in so much that they were all amazed. It's the same word. It is extame, accessame. And they were amazed. The people, when they saw this, they were, as it were, jumping out of their own skin. They were so astonished. They were so astounded. They were so amazed. They couldn't believe their eyes at what the Lord Jesus Christ had not only done, but the words of grace that he had said to this young man with his back on his bed. 
Here's another one for you, Mark 5 and 42. And straightway, it says, the damsel arose. This is whenever the young girl of 12 years of age, uh, she had died and the Lord was sent for and he put those professional paid mourners out of the house and he started to speak to the young girl and she arose. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. Notice, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. Again, existome, it means when they saw the dead rise, when they saw this little girl arise from her sleep. And it's, it gives the idea that she, she arose and she walked, but it doesn't mean she just toddled a few steps. The thought is, and it's a, there's a supposition in it, but the thought is she walked and she walked, which is what the word here walked means. She kept walking, but the supposition is she more than likely went to her parents or maybe her mother, to her father, to someone maybe else maybe who was outside the room, but she came, as it were, also to Christ. What a wonderful picture of the ecstasy, the existence that Christ and his presence and the lingering before God can bring. So we see again that people were beyond themselves at what God can do. One more, Acts chapter 12 and verse 16, Peter is in prison. And a prayer meeting for Peter's release is taking place. Uh, the, the prayer meeting is in an upper room. It's in John Mark's mother's house. Possibly and more than likely the same room where Jesus had broken bread, be that night when he was betrayed. And here now it is possible that it is the, also the room where the 120 were on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and uh, lit upon them in cloven tongues like as of fire, and they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's quite possible and thought that this is the exact same room. So a prayer meeting is happening in John Mark's mother's house. And notice this, there's a rap at the door, and a young girl, Rhoda, goes to answer the rap at the door. She sees that it is Peter and seems to close the door again and runs into the prayer meeting saying, their prayers are answered, Peter is at the door. Your prayers are answered, Peter's here. And they thought, no, it couldn't be, he's in prison. Couldn't be him, but you're praying for him, he's at the door. It couldn't be, and the idea is they keep on going like this. They keep on speaking like this until they say, it's probably his angel. Notice this here in verse 15, it says, she constantly affirmed it. So Rhoda kept saying, it's Peter himself. He's at the door. And in verse 16 of Acts 12, it says, but Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Notice this, they were, as it were, beyond measure, put out of themselves. I can imagine the, the noise of these people. Maybe they were yelling, screaming, were they crying? We don't know. But the idea is they were outside of themselves. They, were, they couldn't believe their eyes because they were seeing an answered prayer. Notice this. In verse 15, Rhoda constantly affirmed. She constantly affirmed it. Your prayers have been answered. Peter's at the door. She constantly affirmed. In verse 16, Peter continually knocked. He continually knocked. Here's three quick points for you. One, we must pray and believe. They're having a prayer meeting. God answers their prayer 
And when their prayer has been answered and is at the door, they still don't believe it. We must pray and believe. For the Lord Jesus Christ himself says, Believe that ye shall receive. We must believe our prayers, or else what is the use in us praying? For we will pray and we'll miss from hitting the mark. Secondly, we must constantly affirm. We must rehearse the testimony of saving grace. Constantly affirm or rehearse the testimony of the answered prayer of God. Think of the times God has answered your prayers before, brother. Think of the times God has answered your prayers before, sister. When you thought it was impossible, when you thought it was never going to happen, that it always happens to others, or you hear about it in other times, in other places, in other venues, then it happens to you. Then you must constantly affirm. Rhoda was saying, God has answered your prayer. God has answered your prayer. It's happened. You must constantly affirm and say, Peter is at the door, and your Peter is at the door. Always constantly affirm it. Notice, and you must always testify, constantly affirm the miracle working power of God. We must always be talking about the healing that God has brought in the body. The healing that God has brought to the soul. The healing that God has brought in a marriage. The healing that God has brought in a situation. We must always talk about the healing that God has brought to a hurting heart. We must always constantly affirm it. That we know that since he is the same yesterday and today and forever. That he again will answer prayers. The old song and we sing it quite regularly when we're here in CET. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. And God is still on the throne. Notice this, we must, we must pray and believe. We must constantly affirm. And thirdly, we must continue knocking. Don't give up praying. Don't be through praying, but rather pray through. Don't give up praying. Don't be through praying, but rather pray through. Peter kept knocking at the door. An old Puritan called Jeremiah Burroughs once said, Yea, but we have waited a long time. Well, but yet know that you are at the right door. And it must have seemed like forever with Peter being brought by the angel out of prison. And there he is wrapping the door to have it closed again in his face. Don't you be through praying, but rather pray through. Every situation... Every circumstance, every seemingly unanswered prayers. And remember this, God's delays are not his denials. And God will answer. He may answer differently than you think, but God will answer. And sometimes he says no to our betterment. And sometimes he says no and gives us something better for it. Now we look at Deuteronomy 33 and 11. Joshua is lingering in the tabernacle. This young man is in the presence of God. He's called, the, he's called Joshua Moses' servant, his minister, and he's called his armor bearer. And the one who lingers in the tabernacle and is faithful unto his God and to Moses, here's what happens. God then elevates him to be the leader of Israel. God elevates him to be the leader of of the people. Notice something here. Moses represents the law given 
to Moses on Sinai. Notice Moses represents the law. Moses led Israel to the promised land, to the promised land, but didn't go over with them. Moses led Israel to the promised land. Joshua represents grace. Joshua led Israel into the promised land. Moses brought them through the wilderness to the promised land, but Joshua brought them over Jordan by grace into the promised land. Moses was a servant of the law in the wilderness. Joshua was a son of grace in Canaan land. Moses was a servant of the law in wilderness. Joshua was a son of grace in Canaan land. And here's what I thought when I wrote this. Many Christians are satisfied to be servants in the wilderness. Few realize that they can be sons in the land. Few realize that they can be sons in the land. Now in Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1, two men go out to Jericho to spy out the city, to spy out the land. Strange here, these two men can be typed. For example, in Mark chapter 6 and verse 7, the Lord Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. Joshua sends these two men out. We also have two men that are mentioned in the scriptures representing maybe the law and the prophets. Two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Two as a spirit and the word. And of course, there are two houses of Israel, the house of Israel and the house of Judah, which were in the land later years where Joshua would be. And so we find there are those two houses are also two witnesses in Revelation chapter 3, and in, uh, pardon me, 11 and verse 3. So he sends out the two spies and they come, it says in verse 1, to an hearted house named Rahab. And Rahab here, her name means wide or broad. Wide or broad. She's in Jericho. Her house is actually built on the walls. She lives on Jericho's walls. And her, house, her name means wide or broad. Made me think of Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Notice, this woman's name means wide or broad. Her house is on the walls, possibly at the, the, one of the gates where the men would have went in initially, probably, and up into the house. But notice this. It means broad. This woman is in the broad road of destruction. She's on the walls of Jericho, which are going to be destroyed. Destruction is coming. They're going to fall down. And this woman here, uh, Rahab, is on the broad road to destruction. In Joshua 2, in verses 10 and 11, we have then what is knowing as, if we want to read Joshua 2, verses 10 and 11. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom were utterly destroyed. Verse 11. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither, there remained, neither did there remain any more courage 
in any man because of you. Why? Notice, for the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now here we have to understand something. Either Rahab is being used by the Lord to encourage these spies in order to do it. Either she is prophesying or she knows God's word, which we don't understand how that would happen. Or else she's just confirming God's word. I believe it's the latter. She's confirming God's word. She doesn't know it. God's using her to confirm his word to these two men. Notice in the book of Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15 and for time's sake, verse 15, the very end of the verse, notice what it says, and the inhabitants of Canaan. Notice the inhabitants of Canaan. This is where they are now, Canaan land. And the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Verse 16, fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as a stone. And this woman Rahab, it seems that the Lord is using her to confirm his word to these two spies that Joshua had sent forth because she says in verse 11, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man. Notice, all these inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Our hearts did melt, she said. Verse 16, fear and dread shall fall upon them. And it says, they shall be as still as a stone. In other words, they were struck with fear. They were unable to move. God can use anyone to confirm his word to you when you need it. And maybe you're discouraged and maybe you're worried and maybe you're fretting and whatever it may be, God can use anyone to discourage, pardon me, to encourage you if you're discouraged. He can use anyone. He can speak. He speak, spoke through Balaam's donkey to Balaam to enable him to know what to do and what not to do. God can use anyone to speak to you through a circumstance or a situation, even unbeknown to this woman and harlot. This woman, she was able to tell them the word of God without knowing it. I had a strange encouragement, if I can put it, First of all, it was a bit of a frightening thing, but a strange uh, encouragement this morning as I was in one of our rooms in the house early and I was uh, talking about the presence of the Lord and I was trying to figure out a few other things that had been around my head and I was thinking about Joshua lingering in the presence of God. And I just says, Lord, I need to know you, your presence. I'm, I'm never unsatisfied when I leave it, but I just need to know something more from you. I just need to know, give me something that you're here. Lord, I just want to experience you. I was talking about the Lord, and I was, I was praying, and I was thinking these things this morning. Then suddenly, the light flickered, just quickly, within seconds. And I looked up, and this is true, just this morning, the light bulb actually turned around, fell down, and it hit the very uh, tiles, their hard tiles, hit the tiles, a light bulb hit the tiles, and it didn't break, and it sat like that and spun around. I, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. First of all, it gave me a fright. And I thought, Lord, even this, you're able to protect this 
fragile bulb from hitting this, the glass on this tile. Fall from the ceiling height right down, right onto hard tiles. And it didn't smash, and it just spun like this, and then it rolled over. Friend, I can tell you, I can tell you, no matter how fragile you are, no matter how fragile you feel, it's in your weakness that he is strong. And this morning, it strengthened me in the faith. It strengthened me for the word of God this morning. It strengthened me when I come in here this morning. And no matter Brother Andrew, who does the camera at the back, and the sound for us, and I told him, when we prayed unto the Lord, and the, the presence of the Lord was mighty, the anointing of the Lord was strong, and we were delighted to be in his presence. In fact, we were so caught up with worshiping and praising him, we thought we weren't going to get started for 11 o'clock this morning. For I can tell you, God can speak through anyone and anything, and he uses here and heard it from a Canaanite line. People try and say, oh, maybe she was an Israelite and moved on. No, this woman was a Canaanite. She was in Harlot. They say, but she's in our Lord Jesus' lineage. Friend, I can tell you, and I need to do a study. I don't believe that's the same Rahab. I believe it's a different Rahab, but that's another study for another time. Notice here, notice here, Joshua 2 and verse 11. As soon as we did hear these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any hope. Or encouraging any man because of you. For the Lord, notice, the Lord your God, he is a God of heaven above and on earth beneath. Isn't it time, Christian, that we started to believe who our God is? He's God in heaven, but he's God here on earth. He's God on the throne here, but he's God enthroned in our hearts here. He's God in heavens and he rules all things there and he's God on earth and he rules all things here. He is the great I am. He is the ancient of days. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last, the author and the finisher of our faith. Is it not time for us to believe who our God is and what he can do? We must believe him for bigger things, believe him for greater things, and also believe him for the smaller things. Believe him for smaller things. You know, in, in, in Joshua 2 and 12, Rahab asked for what she said. It was a true token, a true token. The word true here is a firm, stable, continuing, reliable, faithful token. And the word token here is the word sign, beacon, mark, standard, or flag. Give me something that I know that I will be secure on the day when you attack. Give me something that will stay faithful and secure me, continuing and stable in my life. And Rahab in verse 15 Let's two men down the wall through the window by a cord, by a cord. Verse 18 says, Behold, when we come into the land that thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread. Notice, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household shall come in. Unto thee. See the word here, come in unto thee. It gives the idea, get your family in. Stay home, stay safe. We done one last week. There's another one for you. He says, when you get them in, tell them to stay home and to stay safe. The word scarlet here is the word shane, and it, it comes from a, a word that is used for a little worm. It's called the caucus alichthus worm. The caucus alichthus worm. And this little worm 
it would have been on trees. It climbs up trees, and when it has its young, it covers its young with its body. It sticks and fastens itself to the tree. And the, the young, the, it dies, and the young feed on the mother. And its red, uh, its red dye comes from uh, the mother, and it stains the wood, and it stains the bark of the tree crimson red. So they would have taken this and they used it for coloring of dyes. They picked them off the trees and they used it for dyeing red garments or garments red. The Acacus lictus worm is its name. Now notice this. Notice this. In Psalm 22 and verse 6, the Psalm of the Cross, picture of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, he cries, I am a worm and no man. And he's meaning the, the same worm. Did not the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, that his children, his people, his seed, did he not stain with the crimson flow, with the crimson tide of his own precious blood? Did he not protect us under the dying of his own body? And did he not stain the wood of the tree red? You see, we believe there's power in the blood still par in the blood of the Lamb. Brother, we still preach the blood. We still proclaim the blood, the blood in the book. Notice all the family of Rahab are to go into the house. Reminds me of the Philippian jailer. And he cries, what must I do to be saved? Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. And Paul replies back to him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And thy house. So notice here in Joshua chapter 2 and in verse 9, they've all to go into the house in verse 18, verse, pardon me, verse 19, it says, And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be in his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. In other words, if you stay in the house, if you stay in the house, then you're under uh, our protection. You're under the scarlet thread, the scarlet cord. And if you stay in the house, if anyone was to go in, then it's shame on us. But if anyone leaves your house and, you, and something happens to them, then it's their own fault. Notice here, friend, it's only under the blood that you're saved and safe and secure. And we must preach a balanced word. We must preach a balanced gospel. We just can't preach love, love, love and the blood and salvation and the cross. We must also preach the judgment of God. We must preach that our God is coming in wrath. We must also preach that those who are not washed in the blood, then their sin is still upon them. The wrath of God is on them. And we must also preach there is a lake of fire on a hell for the Christ rejecter. Rahab prefaced her plea for salvation and protection by declaring that she knew all were doomed for destruction. She knew they were doomed. She knew that they were lost. And you see, a man and a woman must realize they're sinners before a holy God. Must realize that you're a sinner before you can be saved, repenting of your sin. She knew this. She knew divine judgment. So she asked for a true token. What's the true token? 
It is the scarlet thread that runs right through the scriptures of the blood of the Lamb, of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. She was shown away. This scarlet thread, hang it from the window. Put it on the window. And when we see that thread representing the blood, it's going to be a faithful and a true token of that house and all who are in it. She had to bind the scarlet thread to the window. So easy, so simple that a child could do it. So easy and so simple that a child could understand it. And we so willingly try to confuse the gospel. Christ died for us. Is that it? He has shed his blood for us. And people say, how can that be? And brothers and sisters, we must preach Christ and him crucified. For that is the simplistic that he rose again. That is the simplistic gospel. Joshua 2 and 21. She sent them away, departed, for she bound the scarlet line in the window. As soon as they went, she didn't waste time. As soon as they went, she didn't waste another second. She done it right away. Faith in the scarlet cord, faith in the red thread was not only simple, but it was sure. It was not only simple, but it was sure. And as we're running into a a, a close at at this time, in Joshua chapter six, and what we have to do, the second coming of it on another part. In Joshua chapter six, We see how sure it was in verse 17. Joshua 6 and 17 says, And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the heart it shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she had the messengers that we sent. Notice Joshua said, it's marked out, the house was on the walls. The house of Rahab was on the walls, and when the walls fell, this is a type of the second coming. The priests went round the city seven times. That's a type of the second coming. Whenever the walls fell, we find that her house still stood. I may bring another part of this, the second coming. There are seven priests. There are seven horns. There are seven circuits around the city, and the walls fall. It's all a type. It's all in typology in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ and his second coming. And of course, the wall falling reminds us of Christ coming, setting up his kingdom. Reminds us that Christ comes, not just sets up his kingdom, but all who are ungodly at his coming, he will judge those outside of himself. The New World Order is like Jericho's walls. This Illuminati New World Order that's in the world today, the wickedness of the elitist bankers, the wickedness of those elitists and one-worlders who are uh, trying to control the masses of the people, and those who are doing things to try and discard all things of God and his word in, in our nation and in other nations, Those are the Jericho walls. And it's going to come tumbling down. For in Revelation chapter 16, 17, and into 18, it says, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. I trust that this will be a blessing to you. I may do a second part of that more detail. 
a great more detail on the, on the second coming of the Lord in Joshua chapter 6. But read it and pray and ask the Lord what he will show you and what he'll tell you about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, our great Joshua. May God bless you all. And we're praying for you, praying for all those who are still keeping the world ticking over, keeping our frontline staff in prayer. And the Lord bless you and keep you safe at this time. Let us pray. Father, would you take your word and instruct our hearts this morning. Encourage us in the word this morning. Encourage your people, Lord. And if there's one that watches unsaved, we pray, O oh, Father, that you would call them. Draw them to the cross. Quicken them by your spirit. Give them repentance unto life. And we pray, Father, that you would impute, Lord, faith into them to do these things. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. We pray, O oh God, you'd wash them in the blood of the Lamb. Father, keep your people safe and well. For the sick would you heal them. And Lord, for all those, Lord, who are working in a dangerous position at this time, we pray for your protection and your hand of blessing to be with them. Glorify your name and glorify your Son for Jesus' sake. Amen. May God bless you all. We're going to play out with a lovely peace.